Hi, my loves, and welcome back to this Monday's episode of One Take Wonder with the Hot Weird Girl. I'm the Hot Weird Girl in question, Alexia. If you want to find me, you can keep up with me on every social media platform. That's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Hot Weird Girl. That's girl with the zero. I upload these podcast episodes every Monday night for your listening pleasure, and I love hearing from you guys. I record on Spotify, so if you are a Spotify listener, please leave me um, a feedback and suggestion. I read every single one of them on what you guys want to talk about and whether I address it in the near future or whether it's something that I'm thinking about so that I can, you know, really give you guys a good answer a couple weeks from now. It means so much when you guys reach out to me on, again, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and am I forgetting one? Don't know. But I love hearing from you guys. It pushes me and it challenges me to think. And it also keeps you guys a part of the conversation, which is a really important part of this podcast to me. This week, we're going to be talking about something that I describe as deliberate anti-intellectualism. And this is an episode where I would especially love to hear your feedback because I don't think I'm done talking about this. I actually think this is just the beginning. And again, I really hope that this is something in collaboration we do together. If you like this podcast, it would really, really help me out if you rate it five stars on Spotify and Apple Music or whatever podcast platform you're listening to this too. And if you would share it with at least one friend, it's so helpful and it helps me grow an already huge audience at this point in my podcasting career. So thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get into it. I think anti-intellectualism is killing us. And thank you so much to the Spotify user whose username is just a smiley face and their profile is just Nene Leaks in a blonde wig doing... "Mm." I'm realizing now that you can't see me, but we all know what, mm, it's like a pose, you know? She's got a Bobbiana on. Anyway, I've been dying to talk about this topic, and it's something that I talked about a few months ago. Every time a young woman says she's going to embrace being a bimbo or that she was really smart when she was younger, but now she's in her mid-20s and she just doesn't want to know things, an angel loses its wings and then dies violently. If you know me in real life, then you know that I'm high maintenance, bougie to the point of ridiculousness down. Born this way, will die this way. So I'm really coming to as your peer when I say trying to embrace the soft life at the cost of abandoning intellectualism is fucking pathetic. And you're embarrassing us. Let's be so real with each other. Who stands to benefit by convincing you that becoming a Pilates princess is at the cost of not giving a fuck about the news, not caring about social justice movements, not embracing being intelligent. Bitch, it's the patriarchy, and they don't need to beat you with an axe to beat you down, simply making you feel like everything is hopeless and you're too overwhelmed and you can't do anything about it, so you should just focus on your yoga routine. Like, that's all it really takes. And you're falling for it. There is no higher form of self-care than self-preservation. And we are under attack, so you need to preserve yourself. Yeah, the arc of time doesn't bend towards justice, okay? Conservatives get active when everyone gets complacent. So you're gonna have to start giving a fuck again. You're gonna have to pick up theory because we need people who know what they're talking about. You're gonna have to read the news. You're gonna have to get involved with your local community. You're gonna have to give a fuck that the earth is dying. Being intelligent and being politically active is just as important as using tretinoin and sunscreen. And we should really be questioning why it's pushed on us that those things are mutually exclusive. Which I love citing my own TikToks. Okay, This is like the most fun that I've ever had because it feels like I get to be in conversation with myself. And the the whole reason that I started this podcast is because I would have like a flash of, oh, this is something I should come back to or write about. So I would just upload it on TikTok because I feel like, I don't know, it's like being in a Socratic seminar 
right? Like you're bouncing ideas off of each other. And I feel like my ideas always expand when I get to talk to people in the comments. So being able to put something out there like seven months ago and then come back to it with a more refined viewpoint after talking to people and reading more and just thinking about the world more deeply. And I think two things are true about the world. One is every day will get hotter. And two, every day I get a little smarter. So as pretty and smart as I was in January, like I'm seven times that now. That's just how the math works. Anyway, I don't make the rules. But I'm really, I'm really disturbed by this anti-intellectualism in girls and women. And even just what we consider girlhood. Because as I said, there is no future of complacency for the oppressed. It will never happen. And you have to work that out and the unfairness of not having privilege whether it's not having white privilege or not having male privilege, but because you are not a straight white man, you don't get to live on default and you will have to work a little harder. And I I understand that as a black woman, then that can be frustrating, but also like get the fuck up. I'm not asking every single person to be a revolutionary to march on Selma or set themselves on fire in front of the Environmental Protection Agency. I'm just pointing out that like you have to fundamentally give a fuck about the things that are going on in our world. I just like I blocked so many of them because I got sick from seeing it on my For You page. But I think we owe it to ourselves to engage in a deeper examination of what it means that the current paradigm femininity the one that everyone seeks to embrace is so coded and being a dumbass and i'm being mean because i i kind of want to slap people who are saying this a soft life should not come at the expense of not interacting with your community even if you don't care about your community you need you to step up um This idea that it's the ultimate self-care to disengage with the world and only care about your makeup. And I also think it puts us in this one-dimensional thing because in what world do people care about fashion or being beautiful and then they care about nothing else? Like I'm sure we've met people like that, but I've been fortunate enough at least to never have that be my majority experience. Like the majority of the girls that put that shit on and they go outside with a beat face, they're also quite smart because people who tend to excel in one area tend to excel in other areas. I always think about that scene from the movie Molly's Game, which is like my secret pleasure movie. But we're going. if you haven't listened to the audiobook, it's really good. And God, I would love to do a breakdown of like her pick in the book and how it ultimately leads her down this road because Mo- okay I have, now i have to tell you the story so molly bloom is uh she could have gone to the olympics very very talented skier who suffers um a devastating injury and then she graduates college and she decides she's going to go to law school but she wants to take a year off and she went to a very good school and she potentially could have gone in an ivy league but she wants to move to la for a year and just fuck around she ends up working for some like Hollywood C-list producer running an underground poker game. Eventually she takes that underground poker game over and eventually she engages in like racketeering and skimming off of the top and then she accidentally gets tied up with the mob. But she never really quite makes it straight either in the movie or the books how that really works. 
Anyway, the point is, is that she constantly throws herself on the sword for these powerful men who over and over and over again show that they wouldn't care about her, chasing some ideal of honor or like, I, I don't know. It's really good. And I, I just had to tell you about it, but I also just realized that I just spoiled it. But that's the beauty of the one take wonder baby is I'm actually not going to go back and edit it out and not just because I don't know how to. But let's get serious and define what I'm actually talking about. So I think this is called deliberate anti-intellectualism. I think anti-intellectualism in general is just, you know, this refusal to engage with theory, academia, or just deep thinking. It's the refusal to look at anything beyond the shallow. But in a certain way, I think we've been intentionally disabled by the government. And when I say we, I'm you know, always referring to Americans. When you look at the destruction of the American um, education system, the fact that many American children are not taught to read using phonics, even though it is proven over and over and over again that it's the best way to read, understand concepts, and even interact with language. Um, you know, we're a populace that has had our critical thinking abilities intentionally called. And so I'd like to draw attention to this awesome comment by Awesome Cherry Number Three. They just wrote in on my Spotify, and of course, my phone dies when I want to read the comment, but they essentially asked me to discuss anti intellectualism and how that correlates with the rise of fashion, you know, people's inability to watch movies, TVs, or read books and really engage with the media. Um, other than a surface level take, that I would point to as the opposite of deliberate anti-intellectualism because I think people's inability to watch movies or read books or watch TV shows and think critically is the fact that people have not been taught those skills and they haven't had sufficient opportunity to exercise those skills. And I'd love to talk about that more in the next podcast but I don't think it quite fits in with today's conversation, but I promise Awesome Cherry 3, we will come back to it. Deliberate anti-intellectualism is what I was describing in the TikTok. It's this refusal to engage with the world because the world is becoming too difficult. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the world right now is becoming difficult, even though I, as a person, I kind of always hated that because it feels like, you know, when you consider like slavery and Jim Crow and what my life would have been like a hundred years ago being who I am. Life feels so much sweeter and yet we're also in a period where people who have been here for decades are like, wow, things are worse than usual. The planet is dying and it's dying at a rate that many climate scientists didn't expect. Like we knew that the planet was going to overheat, burst into flames and the ocean flood over everything, but it's just happening so fucking fast. I know personally in the city where I grew up, Pittsburgh, there hasn't been over two feet of snow in like a decade. It's a very rare occasion, but when I was a kid, like snow used to happen all the time because Pittsburgh is a valley in the mountains. It's scary that this is the hottest summer on record, and yet next summer is probably going to be the hottest summer on record. It's hard to come into this world as a 26-year-old knowing that my infancy toddler years were shaped by 9-11 and this pointless war that was fought in the Middle East, and then we've just kind of continued to be disenfranchised and raised on pop 
propaganda ever since. You know, the economy is shit. People are struggling to buy basic necessities like eggs and milk, let alone things that are the hallmark of adulthood like houses or being able to reasonably afford your children. And so I don't blame people for being scared about how fucked up our adult lives that we were promised were because it's scary. Like I'm scared sometimes I think about and, and I'm a person that does relatively well. You know, I'm a licensed attorney. I'm in a very fortunate position in life. And there are even times when I'm like, oh my God, like, how am I going to do this? And then I'm like, how are the people who have not been given the opportunities who by virtue of their profession are not given a certain amount of grace, who just don't have the money, like, how are they going to get through this? So I I get it, and it's hard to talk about, but also it feels inevitable that we do have to discuss it and it has to be in our face because how much worse would it be if we stopped screaming about it, right? Because it, it can absolutely get worse. For example, the United States is likely headed towards political violence. And this isn't my opinion. This is the opinion of many scholars, people who have studied history. The world itself is posed for violence. Um, Right-wing theology is cropping up in most Western countries. And while it's always been prevalent or even dominant, like in places of the United States of America, the rise of fascism in places that quoted themselves, and I say quote loosely because America has never been a bastion of freedom, but people who tell themselves as like, oh, you know, we're democratic and we're free. The United States of America experienced a coup in January of 2021. I'm sorry, in January of 2022. And that went like unaddressed. Like, yeah, the news talks about it, but we still even entertain the political opinion by platforming it that January 6th was a protest and a deliberate attempt to overthrow the government, execute liberal politicians and quote unquote traitors, Republican politicians, and install Trump as a leader who would then enact horrible policies for everyone he didn't align with, which is you and me. You know what, before we go any further, we need to tighten up that definition. I guess it helps to define anti-intellectualism as a whole. So reading from the Wikipedia page, anti-intellectualism is hostility to and mistrust of intellect, intellectuals, and intellectualism, commonly expressed as depreciation of education and philosophy and the dismissal of art, literature, and science as impractical, politically motivated, and even contemptible human pursuits. When I say deliberate anti-intellectualism, I know that it can sound like doublespeak, right? Because anti-intellectualism itself already feels deliberate. But what I will argue is that this deliberate anti-intellectualism is coming from people who very much understand the pursuit of art literature, who value education, and who simply no longer want to engage with it anymore because it's too personally difficult. That is deliberate anti-intellectualism. It's not just rejecting art because you think it's a snobby liberal pursuit. It's knowing art is important, knowing that art is inherently political as it is beautiful and rejecting going to the museum altogether because it makes you think in a way that feels uncomfortable. So you'd rather engage with something sterilized and safe in order to fear better in your bubble 
in your bubble, even though you know it's probably not what you should be doing. That is I think a huge part of our zeitgeist and something that so many young women are tapping into is this desire to just not know. That's what I'm talking about. And I wanted to make that clear, even if it kind of disrupts the flow of the conversation that we're having, just so that we're all on the same playing field. We're still going through a global pandemic, and yet it's difficult to count how many of the millions that have died because most governments have given up on acknowledging it, let alone having some sort of global reckoning about the ways in which our our lives were fundamentally altered. There are certain pre-pandemic experiences that I'm just, I, I mean, I might not ever again have in my lifetime, and that's scary, and there's no way to collectively mourn that. And so I'm saying all these things not to like bum you out or freak you out, but to really be honest that like I'm also scared, but it's it's better to talk about those things, right? Like it's better, I feel better now getting it off of my chest and just some things that I've been feeling, I don't know, generally anxious about because it makes it more plausible that we can figure this out together. Like I still... I guess, even at the bitter end, believe in a collective, in the collective that will save each other. And so I think my anger, and I'm incredibly angry about this, comes at the fact that it's like, okay, you know, I soothe myself at night and get through this by knowing that at every point in human history, when the oppressed come together, we can make substantial differences for not only ourselves, but for the people who will come after us. And then the people who are supposed to be fucking helping me are doing Amazon hauls. And they're like, yeah, you know, the soft lifestyle is what I really need to engage in. And somehow that means that you don't need to read the news or read a book. And let me say this, self-help does not count as a book. I say this as an English major. I say this as a literary snob. There is nothing you can learn in a self-help book. And this, the degradation of fiction, this whole like, well, non-fiction's better. Like this Jordan Peterson, who that guy's a freak, an incel mommy fucker freak. Why anybody is promoting his challenge not knowing the vileness that is behind him is just bitty bonkers. But Jordan Peterson, 75 Hard, where you can only read non-fiction books the most that I've ever learned in life has come through fiction. And I get this question often, like, what books can I read? Um, Just start with Toni Morrison, Alice Walker, Zora Neale Hurston, James Baldwin. I mean, I'm doing such a disservice to some of my favorite authors. And I'm looking at my bookcase right now. But like, start there. And then expand your mind. Because being able to read about other people's lives who you may not have experienced or examine your own life that you have experienced, but on the page in a way where maybe you're not processing your own heartbreak, you're processing someone else's heartbreak, but in a way that helps you process your heartbreak, sort of a metaphor circle, but you get what I'm trying to say. So that's my recommendation for you. Read fiction, read often, read voraciously, but for God's sake, read like And maybe the movement has calmed down slightly on social media, but this infantilization that we put ourselves through where we're somehow incapable 
it feels like the Gen Z woman's extreme version of the millennial, I'm just a baby. And I will be soft with millennials and say that they've also had an extremely rough go of the world and that they had to navigate it without full use of the internet, which somehow feels worse. You know, but I will say that like the youngest among us, and I'm also including children, we're in for a rougher ride and adults, and when I say adults, like people over 40 seem to be very comfortable and soothing themselves. I like, well, you guys will figure it out. And it's like, yeah, with no help from you, like I'm paying into your social security fund um, and you're going to suck all those resources up because God forbid you share anything with me. But ultimately, I think we really need to question and examine those systems, which ask us to go smiling into our demise. Paint your nails while the world burns because somehow the only thing that you can focus on is painting your nails. And I think it's such a degradation of femininity. I just refuse to believe that the essence of life bringing and creativity and world shifting that the proper way to respect who you are as a woman, whether you're a cis woman or a trans woman, or the type of woman who defies any sort of labels or feels that she or they doesn't need labels at all, whoever you are and whatever your femininity means to you, I think it is a dominant destructive force. How can that force be limited to just the outer and why is the focus on the outer the only thing we're supposed to focus on because when we're docile we're easy to slaughter like you know how in slaughterhouses they soothe the animals or kind of breed them to be dumber so that they're not aware of the fact that they'll be processed into meat like I think that's what's happening to us and I don't think it's cute or it's funny to even joke about being unaware or being a fucking dumbass because you're killing yourself it's a prolonged suicide to just sit there and pretend that there's nothing wrong with the world or that you don't need to engage with it as if it's not affecting you now I mean even the way that people have reacted to the Dobbs decision and I'm referencing last summer's Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and to implement Dobbs, which gave state rights to abortion, now leading to, I believe, 20-some states um, outlawing abortion completely, and that number grows every day. The fact that it was like crying and holding up some signs and then some, you know, abortion fund money, and now a year later, most women I know are angry but somewhat complacent is exactly what they want. The sense of powerlessness means that they don't have to do the work of spraying us with fire hoses or killing us ourselves because we've already decided to go gentle into that good night. But at least, you know, we look really cute with our polyester shit from Amazon. And it's always in particular Amazon, this idea that you can like mass commercialize tranquility and peace and that your next you know, soothing mechanism has to come from the box made at the hands of someone who's a slave. But of course, you shouldn't think about that because the latest Shein influencer, confidence activist, I can't even say that one with a straight face, confidence activist has convinced you that they're not actually sweating in the sweatshops. Like I've said so many times, the personal is political. And I emphasize that so much because our everyday personal routines should also be political in a way that doesn't have to be unsexy or 
not as aesthetically pleasing. Like reading the news in the morning or tuning in to a news source that you trust or just keeping up in the world can be as much of a part as your morning routine as gratitude journaling or working out. And I get that those things don't sell and don't make money, but they can if we reward that behavior. Like if an influencer were just to subtly slide in, you know, these are the ways that I stay politically active in a way that doesn't feel lecture. I mean, I'm lecturing you now, but in a way that doesn't feel lecturing or overbearing, but just like easy to do, I I think it would be more appealing. What I'm really worried about is that we're going to lose young girls to this. And then critical thinking is like a muscle. If you don't work it out, it atrophies. We're at risk of having some seriously atrophied minds when we need them the most. And I guess the next natural question would be, what can I do? And it's start having those tough conversations with your friends. I'm not saying that you should riff out like Kafka or Marx or Baldwin at the next party because that's weird. But like when people talk about how frustrated they are with the world or how scared they are, just share your anxieties with them. I feel better for putting them out there even though it's kind of vulnerable and I don't love talking about my emotions which might be counterintuitive you might be like oh Alexi you have multiple podcasts talking about your emotions no like emotions that make me feel nervous to be perceived or just vulnerable in any sort of way but I do feel better even if I can't watch you now as you're perceiving it I think even that is the base minimum to just talk about how scared we are because Together in that fear, we can find a solution. So like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I don't think that this is the only episode that I'll make on anti-intellectualism. I certainly want to circle back to the way that Americans have been castrated from critical thinking, particularly as it comes to movies and art and how that really is an impediment to our ability to understand the larger world around us. If you like this podcast episode, again, it helps me so much if you rank it five stars on Spotify, Apple Music, or any other platform that you're listening to it on. Please feel free to reach out to me. I always love it when you do. And I'll see you next week where I have a very special guest joining us. It's Carol, one of my close friends from college. And we're just going to like chop the shit, talk about dating. Um, He's really, really funny. And I'm so excited to have him on the podcast next week. Until next Monday, I love you.